It's time to stop reimagining things and actually start changing them. Tune in to Recalibrate with Samsung, where we'll discuss how technology is changing the way we work, connect, and live our lives. Today on Recalibrate, we welcome back Samsung Network's Alok Shaw for the third time and welcome on Dr. David Rue, Chief Medical Officer for Samsung Electronics America. In this episode, we're continuing our conversation on 5G, but focusing on its impact on the healthcare industry and on healthcare professionals. Now here's your host, Jason Claybrook. Guys, thanks for being here today. Alok, you've been on a couple times, and today we've got Dr. David Roof, Chief Medical Officer from Samsung. You're at the HEMS trade show, right, Dr. Roof? That is correct, yes. It's been a great experience for Samsung here. Been able to demo some amazing technologies. Just yesterday we had a real great session with former NFL Hall of Famer Jack Youngblood to talk about brain health, and we talked about a variety of digital solutions that Samsung offers through our partners to quantify the brain's vital signs. So real exciting things, a lot of great stuff here. Well, that sounds exciting. What's outside of what you're doing there, have you seen anything that's just really piqued your interest or been captivating? Well, Hims is kind of, I'm not sure if you've ever been here before, but it's a little bit of a zoo. <laughs> it's very large, a lot of opportunities to see partners. We are launching some key solutions. In fact, we have a, a partner that has developed some solutions on a, an electronic health record called Epic, and that's being showcased in the Epic booth, which is quite unusual for Epic to actually demo a, a, another third-party solution. But part of the reason is because it leverages the Epic software called Rover. And um, we've been really excited. This is probably one of the things that we're going to launch this year uh, in coordination with some of our partners. Very cool. Well, hey, we've been talking last couple episodes about 5G networks and what's coming. So, and Luke's been here with us, and there's a lot of cool things. We didn't really touch into healthcare too much. Wanted to save that for you to chime in with us. So, 5G's coming. What excites you about that being a doctor? What kind of new cool things, patient outcomes, can we expect to see? improve? So it's important to take a look at the overall trends within healthcare. There's a big push to enable virtual care. Virtual care allows you to be able to better manage patients outside of the hospital. This oftentimes involves the use of sensors, remote patient monitoring devices. A lot of that today has been on periodic assessments, such as maybe check your blood pressure with a, with a variety of different ways. You know, you can use what we call blow energy Bluetooth devices. You can step on weight scales. But what we're moving towards is more continuous monitoring. And with continuous monitoring, you have an opportunity to see on a regular basis changes in one's activity, one's behavior, one's physiologic parameters. And that is gonna require a network that is capable enough to be able to pull the data in, in large quantities, be able to do uh, rapid analysis. You're gonna need low latency times. That's uh, a perfect situation for 5G to really help em- enhance the capabilities of what we're currently trying to do. So it sounds like low latency, that might be kind of starting point for healthcare? Well, it's really a, a combination of capabilities that 5G brings to the table. So there's, as David said, there's, there's a need for high throughput in some of these cases. There's a need for low latency in many of these cases. Some of the other capabilities of 5G that we don't talk about as much are around being able to support a massive number of devices in the network, what we call massive IoT. So that means getting up to as many as 
a million devices per square kilometer on a 5G network, right. which you can imagine as, as the sort of see this explosion of, of sensors on your body, in your home, in your neighborhood, you kind of see that number start to get approached. And then the other piece of 5G that's really interesting with massive IoT is these very low power modes. So being able to, to get 10-year battery life out of a 5G sensor. You know, obviously this isn't something that we get on day one of 5G, but it's a really powerful capability that's in the spec. It's written into the spec. And so so it's a set of benefits that doesn't get as much attention, but can be really powerful in a healthcare setting. Cool. Hey, Dr. Rue, I was reading an article recently about glucose monitoring through a Bluetooth type of patch instead of having to prick your finger for diabetics. Is that stuff here now? I would imagine Bluetooth communicate with wearable or a phone some capacity has some benefit and got what, 10% of the population has diabetes? Yep, well this is here. There are some really great solutions out and the exciting news is that Samsung's partnering with uh, these, these manufacturers of these continuous glucose monitors. Sometimes we refer to them as CGMs. One of the more common ones or popular ones is something that's made by Dexcom. It's a patch that allows a small, tiny needle to go under your skin, and it measures your blood sugar on a continuous basis. And like you're saying, it is something that provides us with an opportunity by bringing your phone, you get capture information, send it to others, including your physician. There's another solution called Freestyle Libre from Abbott St. Jude. It does something very similar. These are all great solutions that allow diabetics to be able to measure their blood sugar on a continuous basis and help inform family, caregivers, and healthcare providers if things are not going in the right direction. Does that help doctors treat patients a little bit more effectively? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just think about this. Uh, If you're a diabetic, you have to check your blood sugars usually on average four times a day. It'd be ideal if you did it more, but the reason you do four times is just right before a meal, uh, right before you go to sleep. Those are the traditional times. Now that gives us some information. There there are like four data points in a 24-hour cycle. Well, imagine if your blood sugar spiked somewhere in the middle of between one of those things or dipped down to a very low, dangerous level. You would never know that. Even at nighttime, you would never know. So these are the things now that we can assess using the CGM. And obviously, anytime you move to continuous, a lot of data being moved at one point. And then with a lot of different types of data that need to be moved and processed simultaneously, we're talking about opportunities for us to use a, a broader network. So I feel like this is where healthcare is going, more towards continuous monitoring, more towards being able to better understand what the data means, and leading more towards proactive care. And you and I had talked recently also about uh, telemedicine type applications. I mean, we've had telemedicine for a while, but what's been the limiting factor in telemedicine? So yeah, like you said, telehealth has been an area that has continued to develop over the last probably decade, right? As 4G networks have really allowed these hospitals to get substantial data rates on the network. I think 5G takes that to another level. You've got the opportunity to get much higher resolution video. And so there may be situations where a medical professional really needs to see a lot better than a grainy image that is delivered today in some of these settings. But then there's also the potential for a set of sensors, perhaps, to augment that video image and provide a whole bunch of data 
to the medical professional. So, so maybe when you sit down for your telemedicine session, you clip on a number of different sensors, and that provides a set of data that in real time the doctor can look at as they look at you and talk to you and learn about what you're feeling. And to Dr. Ru's point, that maybe is something that, that happens right then. Maybe that's something that they're always wearing, right? Maybe those sensors are always there. And so 5G just kind of takes things to another level. And to add on to that, when we think about the quality of the video, we oftentimes think of it as being ingested by the, through the eyes of a physician or a, maybe a healthcare provider. But really, the new movement is starting to look at the data and being able to quantitatively assess what is going on through visual analytics. So imagine if I were to have someone show me a specific worrisome lesion, or I, I were in, a, in the conference with an individual for whom I was concerned that they might you know, be suicidal or have depression. Imagine if there was an analytics element that could run on top of those images, allow me to better understand and interpret some of these signals and be able to provide some kind of clinical decision support in the process. I mean, that's the type of stuff that we can now start thinking about, not just thinking about, hey, can I sort of see kind of the general shape of your face and the general texture of what it looks like, but get down to the level of granularity, quantifying images, being able to then look to see if changes have occurred over time with certain lesions. This is the real exciting opportunity because it's all around the quality of the data and the ability for us to be able to quantify it, but it requires a large mechanism to be able to bring that data to the provider in real time. And the key is maybe in, in today's world, you can start to do that with if you're in a, a room with a fiber connection, right? So you have massive bandwidth available. But if you're out and about and all you have is your smartphone, then 5G gives you kind of an equivalent to fiber ability, right? What if I'm in a more rural setting? Telehealth right now, I read a lot where you have problems if you live 100 miles away from the closest hospital. So does 5G play a role there? Yeah, so, so you know, 5G eventually is going to get to every corner of the country and there will be substantially more bandwidth available in a mobile setting than in places where it's just not cost-effective to get fiber today. And we're seeing just so much interest in 5G for enabling rural broadband where there's a vested interest up and down from regulators and government officials all the way through to the consumers. Does that roll areas. into the CAF2 stuff, the Connect America fund? Yeah, so, so there's a Connect America fund where the FCC and Congress have allocated billions of dollars in funding to be able to bring rural broadband to more places uh, and places that are just simply unserved or underserved today. So a, a lot of those programs are going forward with fiber. There's going to be some percentage where they just can't get fiber there that, in a way that makes sense. And so we do believe that wireless and mobile technologies can close some of those gaps. So aside from diabetes and telehealth, Dr. Rue, do you have something cardiovascular or heart health, another thing that's maybe hard to diagnose where sensors be a more practical solution if you had a faster, more dense network to support that? Absolutely. So let me give you an example. This was actually a study that was performed in 100 veterans that were admitted with congestive heart failure and they received a patch that assessed for vital signs, specifically heart rate, heart rate variability, respiratory rate. And they wore this patch for 30 days after they were discharged from the hospital. In this group, 37% of the patients were readmitted to the hospital. And in that group, the patch sent the data continuously to a server where they performed analytics. And the analytics created an index 
for, based on the three parameters, heart rate, heart rate variability, and respiratory rate. And over the first two days, they established the baseline. And then over the next subsequent days, they looked to see if significant changes were occurring. Turns out that they were able to identify before these 37% of patients were admitted to the hospital, they had worsened conditions that were identified 11 days beforehand. So what we're starting to see is that these data sets that can be brought in continuously can be used and acted upon in ways that can lead to more proactive, better care. And, and that's why people are so excited about the opportunity around using continuous monitoring, sensors, wearables, and then analytics on top of that. But it requires an infrastructure that allows us to be able to seamlessly pull that data in, analyze it, and in real time act on it. One of the things from a technology perspective that folks may be a little bit skeptical about is, you know, how long is it going to take for everything to have a 5G module in it, right? And what's really, uh, I think, interesting about what we can do in the short term is, you know, we can use a lot of the sensors that exist today and the smartphone becomes the hub of that data and, and the information, right? And so we've got patches and sensors that are on folks' bodies and they carry around a smartphone that's 5G enabled and that 5G connection gives them the overall bandwidth to be able to get all of that data back to the cloud for analytics or a doctor's eyeballs or whatever uh, is necessary. So we don't have to worry about a future 10 years from now when every single sensor is 5G capable. We have a hub in our pockets that's going to be 5G capable that can aggregate it all. That's an absolutely important point because uh, you're right. There are so many different sensors that are out there. It's really the role of companies like Samsung to kind of help find ways that all of these can be, uh, the data can be aggregated and brought into one common mobile platform. And then if we have the 5G capabilities on the phone, then now you've been able to take advantage of that and not have to rely on every single sensor company to be able to build on this. This allows us to be able to act quickly once the 5G network is implemented and be able to realize these use cases. Cool. Not, not too long ago, I was in Orlando and I was going through Disney Springs and there's a Star Wars virtual reality immersive thing that you can do there where you're having to carry around a computer on your backpack so you have height and weight restrictions to be able to play this game and I know that Dr. Rue you've had something going on with pain management in clinical environments where using virtual reality for rehabilitation or pain management other different use cases but it still has required you to be in that clinical environment where you were connected to really some high bandwidth and it seems like you're fairly statically connected. That would seem like another use case for 5G where you have bigger bandwidth, you had a secure network. The way that I would look at this is there are some solutions today that rely on the use of a VR headset to provide an immersive experience. Those tend not to necessarily even require a level of connectivity, but when you get to the point of having what we'll call virtual conferences, virtual meetings where individuals have their avatars into this environment where you're interacting, this is stuff that we have today. We actually uh, have an ability to put on a headset, 
have your avatar enter a work, you know, an environment. This could be a sort of a environment that allows you to be able to simulate a specific type of uh, scenario, and then other people can join in, and you can interact and use this environment as a means to try to practice on certain techniques. So this could be used for surgical training. It could potentially even be used real time during some surgeries uh, to help support individuals as they're doing these procedures. So where I see the real great opportunity would be if we can figure out ways that we can provide greater collaborative tools for individuals real time to be able to interact with others in a realistic environment that allows them to be able to simulate and feel and understand the, the same thing that others are feeling. So can you uh, talk a little bit about pain management, things that are going on in the medical field right now to help that? I know we, in the news, we see all the time that we have an opioid crisis. So what are we looking at to help alleviate that? Well, one of the most exciting things that we've been a part of in the past year has been working with companies such as Applied VR, where we have identified that we can take uh, the virtual reality headset, administer it in a way that is oftentimes, you know, done with like medications. You're giving a treatment option to a patient. And then in the studies that we performed, randomized controlled trials with this, uh, this was specifically done at Cedars-Sinai, but it's been done elsewhere, we saw a 52% reduction in pain when patients receive the VR as opposed to when they watch the same type of content on a TV screen. So clearly there's a clinical benefit. What's remarkable is even after you took the headset off for one to two hours thereafter and sometimes longer, patients had sustained pain relief. And this is where it gets really exciting because we start thinking about could this be used as a non-narcotic alternative to potentially help alleviate the issue of prescribing these pain meds to patients that traditionally get pain meds, patients that are in chronic pain, that have had a recent surgery, things like that. And we're now embarking on a study with the American Hospital Association to look at whether or not we can implement this as a first-line treatment for those type of procedures, like a total hip, total knee replacement, in which case they would receive VR first instead of the pill. And that's what's really exciting because we're now starting to rethink that VR could potentially be used as a therapeutic option and not just as an entertainment or a distraction tool. When you're in a clinical environment, sometimes, especially here in the U.S., you have people that come in that English isn't their first language. So, and you need some level of translation service or it's, it's hard to understand, or maybe you get back into that telemedicine and maybe you have U.S.-based doctors that are helping overseas, but you're talking about transmitting a lot of data and at the same time needing really rapid translation. That would seem like a logical thing that 5G could help with right a look? Yeah, absolutely. There's already really, you know, fascinating work going on around taking language into the cloud, translating it, bringing it back. But latency is everything, right, in these experiences, right, in order to, to feel natural, to, to not feel like you've got a, a three-second delay like on a 1980s phone call, right? And so the latency that 5G enables and the cloud processing that's coming with AI and machine learning, you know, we talked in an earlier session about how some of these technologies work together to really bring huge benefits, uh, and, and I think instant translation is a really good example of that. So, Dr. Rue, I know that you're still down at HIMSS, so before we wrap up here, I know you're excited about a lot of things from continuous monitoring, telemedicine, telehealth. Any last parting remarks, things that, something that's got you just really fired up with IoT and sensors, machine learning, and 5G, and all those forces kind of coming together simultaneously that's going to create some measurable outcomes for patients, healthcare? 
Well, I think one of the biggest things we're seeing, and this was made initially on day one with CMS and the ONC, talking about where healthcare data is going to be moved from electronic health records onto a patient's smartphone. That's really a game changer right now, because when that happens, the data, the ability to have portable data, to be able to better manage that, and be able to then move those large amounts of data sets in ways that we hadn't done in the past will require larger network speeds, uh, low latency, and ability for us to then start thinking about the analytics that go on top of it. Brand new opportunity for healthcare to sort of explore what does the environment look like when healthcare data is now on the patient's smartphone and it needs to be moved around very quickly to places that the patient requests. That's why this is a pivotal moment in healthcare. We're creating new paradigms in terms of how healthcare data will be used, managed, and also analyzed. So like, just to give you a real thing that happened, see if it fits. Last summer, I had to go get an MRI of my shoulder, and whenever I got done with the MRI, they gave me a CD-ROM, a DVD. And I looked at it and said, what do I do with this? I don't have anything to play this on. They said, no, you can't carry that back to your referring doctor. So are we going to eliminate that where I've got this confused look on my face? What am I doing with this DVD? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, you know, we, we today need to give patients the right information and help understand the information so that they can understand what to do with it. Traditionally, healthcare has been a very paternalistic you know, activity where people come in and we kind of like do everything. The healthcare provider, we, we, we look at yourself, we put it in our records, you don't have access to it. We kind of like tell you what needs to be done, we ask you to do it, and we ask you to continue to comply to these rules or these the, you know, lifestyle changes. Where it's moving towards is now, the data will be yours. You have to figure out what to do with it. You have no, you're not a, you, don't, you don't have an MD degree, you don't have a clinical background, so we need technology tools to be able to provide that assistance and guidance around that. We need you to, to help move this massive amount. So if, they, if there's an MRI or a picture, that data needs to, to move seamlessly. If you want to send it to another doctor, this happens all the time where you, you, let's say you had an injury, you go into a doctor and they're like, I have no idea what your medical record is. I'm going to order all these tests. Like, well, I just got an MRI or a CAT scan just last week for my back or whatever. Oh, that'd be great to know as a baseline. Can you get it for me? Right now, it'd be very difficult. Imagine this on your phone. Send all that data directly over in a matter of seconds. That's where we're heading. And then with the ability to provide clinical decision support on that, guiding consumers and patients to determine what needs to be done, that's gonna be the big opportunity for us in the future. Cool, very cool. Dr. Ruth, thank you so much for joining us from HIMSS today. And hello, thanks for coming in. So we'll talk to you again soon. And thanks for listening. Thanks a lot, Jason. My pleasure. Great, guys. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Dr. everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recalibrate. For previous and upcoming episodes, or for more of our content, you can head to samsung-networks.com or find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Spotify.